Hey friend, it's so good to see you. What do you do when your life does not look like you anticipated, your dreams are over there, while your life experience is over here? Well, I have good news for you. God's plans for you are for good and not for harm, and they are way bigger and way more creative than you ever thought He might have planned for you. And so today's episode, we're going to talk about how to deal with the disillusionment, confusion, and maybe even disappointment that comes from holding on to your vision for your life so tightly that you can't see what God is doing and how to then rest into the adventure that God has for your life. Today, I'm going to share my story about how I got pulled as a pastor into the fashion industry and what an adventure it has become. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. I love hearing people's stories of how God stepped into their lives and created a beautiful storyline that just needs to be shared because it gives us so much hope that even the curveballs of life can be beautiful. And I've been hesitant to share my story about how I got pulled as a pastor into fashion, mostly because I just, I didn't really know if people would resonate with it. But I have found that when I share my story, people are left kind of speechless and are like, you need to share that. And then a podcast consultant recently said, you need to build your whole podcast around this. And I was like, uh, <laughs> maybe not. But I appreciated his vote of confidence. So today I'm sharing that story with you. Before we jump in, I have a couple of announcements for you. Real fast, life hacks. I'm sharing with you a magical solution. It's not magical. It's actually very simple. So solution to get your smell and taste back if it was messed up from COVID. I had COVID in eight months later. My smell and taste were still jacked up. This has fixed it. And there are like two other benefits to doing this thing. So <laughs> that's in life hacks at the end. Secondly, our merch line is coming guys it's getting closer every week i'm designing t-shirts which if you follow me on instagram at java with jen you can be a part of voting on the designs in my stories so you're going to want to follow me there all the updates come there it's very behind the scenesy in my stories so make sure you're following me there now here's how i want to pull you guys into this merch line if you're listening to an episode and there is a great one-liner that just stands out to you like hands are for loving for your kids you know or um, you know, bring what you've got, let God do the rest, you know, whatever little one-liners that you think that'd be great on a mug or a t-shirt. If you write it down, write down what episode number it is, send it to me, send me a DM on Instagram. If I use that design or if I use that quote from you, I will name that mug or that t-shirt design after you. Look at, you can have things named after you. It's so exciting. So I just need your help. And I would love to pull you guys into this process in that way. Lastly, we have some fun up, upcoming episodes coming. Michaela Walter, Waters Michaela Waters is a friend of mine, powerhouse, loves Jesus, full of wisdom. We're going to be talking about how to teach your kids to hear God's voice and how to deal with gossip and offense in a productive way. Great stuff coming. Let's jump into today's episode. As a child, I would set up my dolls on my bed and I'd grab my little Bible. I remember I couldn't even read yet, but I, I had memorized John 3:16, and I would preach to my dolls. Every time, as a teenager, I would preach. Actually, when I was a teen, I had the opportunity to speak at um, the city 
National Day of Prayer event in the stadium, the Diamondback Stadium. I had the opportunity in college to speak at a youth event of 85,000 students in Indianapolis, the kind of stadium where I would speak into the microphone and then my voice would echo off the back walls because the room was so big. I, I was flown to Chicago to train small group leaders. Communicating and speaking and teaching the Word of God became an obvious part of the calling on my life. So. I built the dreams of my life around what I had seen and what made the most sense and what burned inside of me. I wanted to be Lisa Bevere. <laughs> so as I was in ministry as a married person in the South, as a young mom, I have come up against the um, gender uh, discrepancies that come with living in the South. And I have found more obstacles and hindrances to being able to fulfill that longing in me to preach since being a married woman than when I was single. I lived in Arizona when I was single and that's the West and it was a lot more um, endorsing of women in leadership roles, especially in the church. But living in the South, I, I came across a lot more of a subtle lack of ability to do that. And many times when I'll introduce myself to someone and they'll say, what do you do? I'm like, oh, my husband and I are pastors. And they turn around to the next person. They go, her husband is a pastor. And so I, I've constantly felt that um, slanting or sliding, if you will, of, of not being actually recognized as a full legit minister because I'm a woman. So that, has, that was difficult for me to process moving to the South. I didn't even know that was a thing. I always grew up in very supportive environments that nurtured the gifts in me and encouraged the gifts in me. Men were very supportive. I had lots of male mentors and, um, and it was just a beautiful thing. So coming to the South, it was different. Well, as a result, I kind of started looking for, well, A, I cried a lot and prayed a lot, but I, I started asking the Lord like, how do I find expression for my gifts? Well, I just began to lean into my role as a mother. And I was like, you know what? For now, I'm just going to be faithful with my kids. So that role as a mother, I, I had four kids back to back. And I was determined not to lose myself, lose my body, lose my sense of um, caring for myself like I'd seen many other women before me do. And so I started to study. My body was changing a lot. I began to study you know, how to dress my body shape. And it, it became something that I was like, I didn't know you can learn to be fashionable. I didn't know you could learn about style. I didn't know there was a whole science behind it. And so it just kind of opened Pandora's box for me. So when I would be nursing my babies, I'd be learning on Pinterest or learning online, reading blogs, reading books. From there, I began to kind of sort of like boss my friends around when we'd go dress, go uh, shopping. I'd be like, you should wear this. You should put this with that. And I literally backed that up though. I did not originally have a sense of style. Growing up, I was not allowed to look at fashion magazines, which I appreciate. My mom probably protected my self-image in a lot of ways. But I always loved the movies that had great fashion and great cute outfits. It always appealed to me, but I always felt like it was vain or materialistic for me to get excited about that. Then I'd go to summer camps and youth camps, and they always had the session that was about why women should just cover up and modesty, modesty. But it was always like shrouded with this tone of a little bit of shame and embarrassment over the female body or female beauty, almost like your beauty is actually something to suppress and, and apologize for rather than to celebrate. So 
I began to learn about fashion, learn about style, just because I still wanted to look nice, even on a budget, as a woman who was growing into my baby having body. And I began to learn like beauty is actually really a gift. So in fact, I remember this is how fashion retarded I was. I remember having when we were youth pastors, one of my sixth grade students who had a fairly good, you know, fashion sense come into my closet and show me how to put necklaces with t-shirts. <laughs> and I literally never ever, like I, I would wear Crocs with an outfit to church. Like I just had no sense of style, none. I was literally fashion retarded. I wanted to be cute, had no idea how to be cute. So this strange thing started happening and for about two years, now mind you, I'm still trying to figure out how to break into ministry on a level where I feel like my voice can be heard, right? So I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, I feel like I'm buried under kids. I'm have, trying to make peace with my season as a mother, but still have these yearnings inside of my heart to just preach the Word of God, you know? And so for about two years, I started getting these, having these unusual circumstances and, and prophetic happenings. So I've started learning a little bit about style, how to put an outfit together. So I, I remember distinctly going out to dinner one time and the stewardess or the not stewardess, the hostess said to me, oh my goodness, your outfit is probably the best outfit I've seen all day. I was like, oh, thank you. That is such a compliment. And then it started where strangers would walk past me when I dropped my kids off at school and they'd be like, by the way, you have the best style. Could you could you help me pick out an outfit? I was like, what? Like, that's really weird. And then these people, they would just stop me on the street and say, oh my gosh, you have the best outfit ever. So it's like, it was for a couple of years, it was almost like this spotlight started shining over my head and random people would say the most random things of like, oh my gosh, your style is adorable. You always look so cute. Could you dress me? Could you help me? And I was like, this is so weird. I've never said that to a stranger, even if I like their outfit. Like, it just felt very bizarre. Well, then at the same time, I started getting all these prophetic words that were built around fashion. Like, one prophetic word was like, I looked at you and I heard the Lord say, fashionista, and he elaborated and said this and this and this. Or another prophetic word was like, I had this vision of you and you had this blazer and these high heels and the heels meant the Lord was elevating you and taking you to more influential places. And the blazer was about authority and da, 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 da. Or another one where she was like, I had this vision of you when you were in this big gown, this big wedding dress type of a gown, it had all these jewels on it. And there was all these people in line behind you. And you took the gown off and you turned around and started teaching people about what was in your dress because all the jewels represented things. And you started teaching people all these things. And so I started having all these prophetic words that were all had kind of like a tone of fashion or clothing or style as symbolism. And I was like, well, this is really weird. And then... And then after about two years of this, I started to kind of go like the Lord was getting my attention, right? I was like, Lord, what's the deal? Like, should I be doing something with this? Like these happenings are a little bizarre. All these prophetic words are pointing to fashion, but I'm fashion retarded. Like, can you help me out here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And so then I had this dream and this dream was kind of like a game changing dream. And I won't go into all the details of it. But in the dream, it was, it was literally about the Lord shifting the direction of my life. 
and it was about my, the ministry call on my life and that the Lord was intentionally shifting it to a new direction, not abandoning what was, but it was going, it was actually about promotion and elevation and the Lord bringing me to a more influential position. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll walk with you. And, and, but in this dream, I literally, I've never had an experience like this. Inside the dream, I felt like I was in heaven. There was such an electric, energetic atmosphere about the dream that even when I woke up, I just laid in bed really still. And I said, Stephen, I remember I woke up on a Sunday and I said, Stephen, I feel like heaven is six inches above me. I, I, I literally feel like heaven is sitting on top of me. I had the most amazing dream. And, and that dream literally forked my road because in the dream I had to make a decision. Go home in my vehicle I'd always been in or we're moving to a new place, a high-rise penthouse that was about elevation. It was about visibility. It was about influence. And in the dream I had to make the decision. Go home or choose this new um this new place, this new inheritance. And in the dream, I chose to follow the Lord's leading because in the dream, it was about the Lord is moving us, the Lord is shifting us. And, but I was driving my own car, which meant I was, it was about my ministry, what was affecting my life. But my whole family was with me anyways. And so right after that, a friend came up to me at church. And so after this dream, basically my response to the Lord was like, yes, Lord, I want what you have for me. I want this new adventure. Take me on your new adventure. Um, help me to be obedient. Help me to recognize what you're doing. But I say yes. I just say yes to what you want to do. And shortly after that, a friend came up to me at church and said, hey, Stitch Fix is hiring. You would be great at Stitch Fix. You should work for them. And I was like, I have no idea what Stitch Fix is. And so they said, go look it up. They're hiring. You should, you should talk to so-and-so person. She lives over there. She could help get you a job. And I was like, okay. So I looked up Stitch Fix and it was a styling company, an online styling platform. And I was like, oh my gosh, this job was built for me. Like, this is what I do to all my friends. I boss them around. I send them pictures of outfits that they should wear and I should do this job. So after a series of unusual things, at first, when they sent me an invitation to apply or an acceptance to go interview rather, I actually turned it down because Stephen and I prayed. And at that point, we weren't sure if the Lord was gonna have us have more kids, whatever, whatever. And so we just weren't totally settled with it. And so I was a little confused by that, but I just, I politely declined and said, thank you, maybe in the future. Well, then I, then I prayed about it and I was like, Lord, I don't understand. Like, why would you give me a red flag about this? But then I feel like you're leading me in this direction. It was a totally unusual thing. I don't know what's happening. Well, in the meantime, the Lord gave us closure about not having more children. And I think I needed that closure to be able to step into my next season. And so then I said, okay, Lord, I, I, I really am confused over that. If I was supposed to pursue Stitch Fix or if I'm supposed to, would you have them reach out? Would you have them reach out or do something to open that door again? Well, then randomly that next day, they sent me three emails in the same day saying, we'd really love for you to come interview. Now, mind you, I had literally no merchandising experience, no retail experience, no fashion experience, but they wanted me to come, come interview. So I was like, okay. So I came in, I scheduled my interview, I came in, I interviewed, it was great, they hired me. And so in 2016, I started working for Stitch Fix as a stylist. I worked for them for three years. It was literally the kamikaze fast path to learning about fashion, styling people, the industry, all the things. I learned so much, it was such a great company to work for. 
And it just, it opened my world to entrepreneurship and working for myself because I was able to work remotely and so I could work anywhere I wanted, whenever I wanted, it was awesome. The Lord opened that door, but get this, opened the door, they hired me out here in Beaumont. I was really far out from their headquarters. After I got hired, I helped one other friend get hired in the area, which she ended up moving closer to their headquarters. And then they closed hiring this far out. They wouldn't hire this far out anymore. So literally it, the door opened, I got hired and my friend got hired and then door closed. So the, the Lord opened that door for me to step in. And I knew when I started working for them, it was about the Lord putting tools in my tool belt for whatever was next. So I worked for Stitch Fix for three years, had a wonderful experience, styled 8,000 people. It was awesome. And then I decided I wanted to start my own business to have um, a more personal connection with people. Well, in the middle of all this, of course, with a ministry call on my life, getting into fashion, I had to have a purpose for it. I had to know why God would pull me into something like this. My biggest concern was I don't want to waste my life doing something that's not going to build the kingdom. And so I began to study the word and study scripture. As I began to study the word, now I still had all these residual beliefs that beauty is something that is almost like a, like a vice for women or like a collateral damage of being a woman <laughs> and almost like like if you wanted to be fashionable it was vain and materialistic and and you couldn't be intelligent or spiritually deep if you cared about those things so I had a lot of wrong beliefs so as I started looking through scripture I began to see that God actually cares a lot about the way we dress the way we present ourselves the way we look I could only find one scripture that put clothing in, in possibly a negative light, but it actually doesn't. It was just about the heart. And that scripture is, women, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and fine jewelry, but from the, the beauty of an inner and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Well, that passage has been taken out of context and twisted and held over women in such a way that it's like your beauty should not be what you care about. You should just care about having a good spirit. Well, guys, that's, that's out of context, and that totally twists the message of that scripture. It never says that you shouldn't care about those things. It just says that your, your sense of value and your sense of beauty should come from the inside first. That's all it's saying. But there are so many other places in scripture, for example, the fact that God actually was the first fashion designer. He made Adam and Eve's clothes when they were naked, and he did it as a sign of, if you'll notice this, that's the first place in scripture where blood was shed and blood is a sign of a covenant, right? Blood was shed to clothe them. Is it possible that your clothing and the way that you dress and represent yourself to the world is actually meant to be symbolic of the covenant that you have with a living God? In the Old Testament with Moses and Jacob, whenever the Bible mentioned that they had great wealth and great prosperity, it almost always says, and this was a sign to the nations around them that they were in covenant with the God of Israel. Your wealth and the way you represent yourself to the world is actually a sign of the fact that you are representative of a living God. Now we get that in the New Testament because we're like, yes, women, as a Christian, you should dress modestly. But I really feel like the church has, has twisted and distorted the message of modesty. We have attached shame to it. In fact, when I was on staff at, at a recent church, there was a very strict dress code for the stage. And I remember when they rolled out this dress code, a number of my female colleagues sat down with me and in tears processed 
all the trigger moments that they had from growing up in church and being given dress codes. And one friend, she said she was in um, Bible school and she remembered getting pulled out of a service and a woman tugging on her shorts, like aggressively tugging on them and chastising her for wearing shorts that were too short and using words like you look cheap or you look like a whatever, using ugly words that attacked my friend's character simply because her shorts were an inch too short. Or another friend who same thing happened. She remembered being lined up in their Christian school, kneeling on the ground and their shorts being measured. And the fear and the terror of possibly coming in, not meeting dress code and being humiliated in front of all her friends. We can do better than this. Are you kidding me? Of course women and girls end up with these screwed up senses of identity around their beauty and their womanhood if this is how we're treating them and their bodies. One of these same women talked to me about how she used to feel like she needed to strap down her boobs on her body and try to make them as invisible as possible because she got the secondhand messaging from her church experience that her female body was bad. I'm sorry, ladies, that the church has ever made you feel like this. God gave you your boobs. Like, God gave you your curves, and he did it on purpose. Men are made like they're made on purpose, and women are too. Sorry, I'm shouting. I get very passionate about this. Do you guys know, as I read through scripture, do you know beauty? Beauty, which is attributed primarily to women, beauty is an aspect of God. Do you know this? This is a virtue and a quality of God. There are so many places in scripture where it talks about the beauty and the majesty of God. When you see God in his glory, he is beautiful. Ladies, you are made in God's image and your beauty is part of God's image on you. It is not something to be ashamed of. It is not something to hide. Now, do we walk around flaunting ourselves as a sexual creature? No, because then what that does is that takes away from the value of your beauty. I remember in college, I went to a Rockets game and the cheerleaders came out. Now I was in Bible school at the time and of course modesty was a big focus of make sure you're in dress code and blah, blah, blah. So modesty was like a big focus. And I remember watching the cheerleaders and having a conversation in my heart, I said, Lord, it's fun to watch the cheerleaders. They're attractive. They're beautiful. Not Even as a woman, you, you appreciate beauty when you see it. Like we as women, we appreciate looking at our, our girlfriends when they have a cute outfit on. We're like, oh my gosh, let me look at you. You look so cute. You know, we all love looking at beauty. It's attractive. And, and our culture has sexualized it. But the truth is beauty in general is attractive, period. That's the whole point. You never see demons, like demons when they're seen for who they are, they're creepy, ugly, dark, twisted, distorted looking critters. Beauty is an attribute of the glory of God. And so it is meant to be attractive because the glory of God is meant to attract you to him, right? So beauty is attractive. So I was watching these cheerleaders and I said, God, beauty is attractive. Like what is it about the sexualization of beauty that makes it wrong? And the Lord had spoken to my heart. He said, Many of you have been so sweetly asking how you can help promote and support the podcast. And so I've thought about it, and there are a couple ways that are super easy and super efficient. Firstly, 
sharing any posts that I make about an episode, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes is huge. This is so simple and yet it really helps get the word out to more people and it actually helps me come up higher in iTunes search results so then people are able to find the podcast more easily. Secondly, you can financially support monthly through the Anchor app, which is where I'm hosted, or on Patreon. Just go to the Anchor app and hit support, or you can give through Patreon as a monthly member. Just visit patreon.com slash javawithjen. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash javawithjen, and sign up to be a monthly member at whichever amount that you prefer. Your donations help me to invest into new equipment, helps me send thank you gifts to interviewees, because I love to do that, and affords me the ability to continue to put my time back into my podcast so I can keep giving back to you. Now, some of you have already been doing this, and I am so grateful. Thank you so much, because when y'all do this, it encourages me so very much. So that again was share, rate, review on social media and iTunes, or give financially through Anchor, or Patreon. Okay, with all that said, thanks for listening and let's get back to the show. As I watch the cheerleaders and I ask the Lord, what is it that makes immodesty or sexualization wrong? If it's attractive, it's appealing, what makes it wrong? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, generally, a woman's modest beauty arouses a man's affection, but her sexualized beauty arouses his passion. And that's not necessarily bad in the context of of marriage, but if you want to arouse a man's affection and his desire to protect and care for you, then modest beauty inspires that. And when I say modest, I just mean like discreet, means beauty that is, doesn't have to flaunt. Whereas sexualized beauty, it's not totally wrong. In the context of marriage, sexualized beauty is great. In the bedroom, yeah, arouse your man's passions. But when I'm walking down the street, I don't want to arouse the passions of the men around me. (laughs) Not the goal, right? And so the Lord is helping me recognize the difference. And I just realized, and then, well, later I found out that there was a scientific study done on the brain of a man. And that when they were, they were shown images of these two different women. One was a woman dressed in like negligee, like really scantily dressed. And another one was a nightgown. Uh, They were both nightgowns. The other one was a more modest one that was lace and like, like the old timey where it kind of like had the long sleeves and it had the higher collar and whatever, but it was very feminine, but it was very covered. And they noticed that the different images awoke different parts of the man's brain. We talked about this in the Modesty um, podcast episodes, like from the guy's perspective. It was quite a few episodes back. The Modest Nightgown activated the part of his brain that wants to protect and to nurture and to care for. And the one in the nighty, the little scantily dressed one, awoke the part of his brain that functions when he's looking at tools, like tools in the garage. Same part of the brain is activated when he sees a scantily dressed woman. Why? Because the male brain says, she, she is how I procreate. She's the tool that will help me procreate. And so when you're dressed immodestly, then you actually become a tool in the brain of a man versus someone who arouses his affections. And God's desire for our beauty is that we would arouse a holy affection from the men around us, not, um, not one that is purely functional, if you will. So the Lord spoke to me that and I was like, okay, 
but it's like God, God has never, in fact, I found that when I walked with the Lord in such intimacy and such connection, I found that the thing that was awakened and unfolded inside of me was this beautiful sense of femininity and beauty. The more I got to know the Lord, the less masculine I felt like I had to present myself to the world, the, the, the more confident I became, and the more feminine I became. I began to just revel in like loving that I was a woman. And I used to always be a little bit resistant to femininity because it, it seemed weak to me. But the more that I became intimate with the Lord, the more my femininity emerged and so did a sense of beauty. Interestingly enough, many times when I have very intimate times with the Lord in my quiet time and I walk out of it, people will compliment my beauty. Isn't that interesting? And it's because the presence of God on me makes me more beautiful. I began to study, how does this have eternal impact? If I'm going to be in fashion, I want to understand the eternal impact. So as I began to style my clients, so I, I saw these things in the Word, and guys, there's so much more I could I could elaborate on. I probably could build a podcast around godly beauty and fashion. Um, but I, I've always steered away from focusing on modesty because I feel like the church has done such a crappy job of attaching shame to that concept. And I don't want, I, I want to redeem beauty. I want to set women's souls free to love that they are female and, and fiercely love that God made them beautiful on purpose. And it's actually a powerful gift. In fact, beauty is refreshing. That's why we go sit and look at a sunset when our soul needs nourishing. That's why we go and get dressed up and get pretty looking to go out somewhere. It makes us feel good because beauty is refreshing. There's a story, I think I've shared it before, I know you guys have heard it, of the soldier who was dying and his nurse asked, how can I help you? And how can I help make your last moments um, restful? And he said, he goes, I don't want this to sound wrong at all. He goes, I mean it with the purest of heart. He said, can I just watch you put on lipstick? He said, I've been surrounded by blood and gore for the last number of months. I just wanna see something beautiful. And so she put on lipstick and he sighed a sigh of peace and calm and he died. And it was like, to me, that was kind of eye-opening. Like beauty is actually a gift. Beauty is powerful. Beauty has the ability to disarm people and draw them to you, not in a seductive way, not in a manipulative way, but in a pure, wholesome, image of God kind of way. So Stitch Fix was awesome. I started my own business. I, I began to see how beauty is so deeply tied to the soul of a woman, to her identity, how the way that women dress, um, and of course, guys, I'm going to use generalized terms, but I don't want you to feel like these become judgments. They're not judgments. They're just generalized patterns that I've seen. But the way that we dress is an expression of our soul. That's why you can walk into a closet full of clothes and say, I have nothing to wear. Because you're not actually looking for just a, a garment. You're looking for something that will capture how you feel on the inside and how you want to express yourself that day. Clothing is an expression of who you are. And so I love fashion because it's connected so deeply to the soul of a woman, to the identity of a woman, to her confidence and awareness of who she is in God and who she is as a person and to the world. And so I began to see the Lord, I felt like spoke to me 
in your pursuit of fashion, I want you to redeem dignity to women, to restore dignity to people through fashion and beauty. And I have seen that the church has wounded women in this area, that our culture has sent such wrong messages to women about the value of their bodies and their beauty and their sexuality. And so I have just loved how God has pulled me into the fashion industry because it connects me to the hearts of women and has created so many ministry doorways. I remember one client where I cried and cried and cried when I styled her. And she wrote in when I worked for Stitch Fix and she said, I'm requesting a fix because I have a special dinner coming up. I'm going out to dinner with my whole family because it's my first wedding anniversary since my husband died. Her husband had died earlier that year and this was the first time she'd be celebrating their wedding anniversary by herself as a widow. And so she said, I need you to style me with an outfit that will just capture the love that we had. She said, he loved me in hot pink. I would love to wear something in hot pink, almost so that I can feel that he is gazing at me again in the lovingly way that he did. My gosh, you guys, I just cried. I read her note and I like, sobbed. So I clocked out so that I could take my time styling her carefully. I did research. I looked up what she loves and she was very helpful with the information she gave. And I pulled together this beautiful outfit. It was like um, either a black and white dress with a hot pink fuchsia coat or vice versa and a purse and shoes and jewelry. And I sent it to her. And when I got her her review and her feedback. She kept everything. It all fit perfectly. She loved it. She said she felt like a princess and she said it just made her feel so gorgeous and beautiful. It was such a soothing and it really helped her to have such a wonderful dinner with her family because she felt beautiful. She felt like her husband was just smiling on her, loving the way that she looked. This is such a huge part of the human soul. That took me into having my own business. I loved the beauty of, of partnering with women's hearts and their souls and helping them discover who they were. Clothes are not the end-all be-all, but they're a tool and they're a piece of the puzzle. I wanna get back to my story. So I created my business, have met with lots of clients. Now, the Lord has opened some unique doors for me where I've trained the Lamar News Anchors here for dressing on television. I'll be hosting a runway show for the Area Museum fundraiser this next year. I'm really excited about that. Um, and then the Lord landed me a job um, styling with an online styling platform, but then he also positioned me as a consultant for their company where I was helping them develop their platform. It was out of Israel. Um, it was just, it was a really great platform. And, uh, and then he's also partnered me with some CEOs of uh, fashion brands. And so I've become friends with the CEO of Prosperity Denim brand. Uh, she also is over Ashley Mason, which you'll see them in Ross a lot of times. Prosperity Denim is sold at Nordstrom. And she also has a Made in Blue line and she has a kids line called Gloss and Glitter, which I'm now working with her, um, helping kind of get that relaunched and stuff. And so the Lord has made some really unique, fabulous connections for me with fashion. So here's how this factors for you. Here's where the story I feel like can connect to you. Guys, I just wanted to preach the gospel. I just wanted to reach people. And I didn't factor in the fact that God in his creativity would fashion and create a unique calling for me that could incorporate something as fun as fashion and design and, and dress and beauty and all the things that our human female soul loves. What I've come to learn is for a long time now here, there was some struggles in, in moving into fashion. For one, 
my husband wasn't crazy about it at first. He'd given the green light for me to work at Stitch Fix and then starting my own business. And there was some things he had to work through. And honestly, what he had to work through was some religious mindsets. And so it was hard having those religious mindsets that I was trying to undo showing up in my own husband who I needed his agreement and support. And so that created some hurdles for us. And, and I finally had to get really honest with him and say, listen, Stephen, you're, you're putting me in a very unusual predicament. I have seen God's favor open these doors for me every time. And every time I considered putting down my business because of the grief I got from my pastors or the gossip from the ladies at church or whatever, there would be you know, resistance to what I was doing. But every time I'd say, okay, Lord, if it's gonna threaten my ability to be a, a minister, then I don't need to do this. And I'd try to lay it down and the Lord would bring something along that would kick the door wide open. These great opportunities would come along. Something that would, someone, someone prophetic would come along and would speak into my life and say, don't you dare put this thing down. God needs you here. And I was like, uh, okay. And so I just had to learn how to navigate those voices and those people that became an enemy, if you will, to the things that God had for me. Now, that I'm not saying my husband became an enemy, but my husband had to deal with some thinking that was old traditional thinking. And it confronted that in him as well. And, and it, just, it just took some, some honest conversations between the two of us. And he, he prayed about it. And he finally was like, you know what? You're right. Like if God is on this and he keeps giving you this grace and these open doors, then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that he's going to guide you in this field. And so that wasn't easy. That was a journey. And so when God redirects your life or opens doors you didn't expect or pulls you into new industry or whatever... It can be a little disorienting, especially if it feels like you're getting off track from this vision you had in your head of what your life should look like, right? And so, but what I did is I just had to continue to walk. And here's some lessons that I learned that I feel like that maybe you listeners could glean from for your own life because I feel like we all walk through de- what feels like detours. But I have come to learn that God's sovereign hand in our lives, when we are walking after Him, living in obedience, and pursuing walking in faithfulness with him, he will order your steps. He will absolutely order the steps of your life. The word says that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord who orders his steps. And I have seen even in this journey with fashion, how every season I've walked, every job I've had, every connection I've made has literally been the Lord orchestrating my very steps. I do pray. I oftentimes I'll pray, God, connect me to the people that will connect me to my future and to the vision you have for my life. And God will inevitably right away connect me to new people. He will create open doors. He'll create opportunities. And so what I learned was, A, the vision is not always clear. If the vision in your life is not clear, that is okay, my friend. You are only responsible for today. You are responsible for today and the way you respond to the Spirit of God today. And so my life mission, I realized if I'm ever going to fulfill the calling of God on my life, I don't know what tomorrow looks like. The only thing I am responsible for is being obedient today. And so that's been my mission from the beginning. God, help me to be obedient. Help me to walk in response to your spirit. And so this journey of fashion, honestly, has not been clear to me from the beginning. It's getting more and more clear the longer I walk through it, but it won't always be clear. And I felt many times like I was walking with my eyes closed through a room. You know, you put your hands out and try to feel what's around you. That is what my life moving into fashion has felt like. (laughs) And because the vision isn't clear, that doesn't mean you're not hearing from God. 
That simply means he may be guiding you by the hands into territory you have not had glimpse into, and that is okay. To me, that has meant God gets the glory. Because when they asked me to come on as a consultant for this company out of Israel, I finally, I told the founder just yesterday, I told her, you know, I don't have a college degree. And she looked at me stunned. She said, Jenna Lee, I have worked with so many stylists and they have all been a nightmare. She said, you are so intelligent. You're so well-spoken. You had such great knowledge, such great feedback. You were such a blessing to our company. And she was like shocked that I didn't have a college degree. And I didn't tell them up front all of the ways that I'm not qualified. I just said, sure, I'll do it because I could see the Lord was opening the door. And you know what? The Lord equipped me. He gave me ideas along the way that helped their company. I have a great relationship with her. And she, even though that, that season, that chapter has come to an end, she's already looking for ways to pull me into the next companies that she works with because we, we really hit it off. What I've learned is the vision is not always clear, but that doesn't mean that it's God, not God. But obedience today means that you will have a fulfilled calling tomorrow. Obedience today means that you will have a fulfilled calling tomorrow. And that is what I continue to live by. God, I don't see what's coming, but if I just continue to obey you, I believe I'm going to fulfill the calling that you have on my life, even in the fashion industry, even if I don't know where you're taking me. And to be honest, it's an adventure. It is full of surprises. I never thought that I would be consulting for a major company in Israel with no college degree, people. <laughs> but that's, only God can do that. God connected me to them. I, I mean, literally they found me and they asked me to do it. So your vision may not be clear, but you need to follow that inner sense of calling. When people at church, at my last church, were gossiping about me and, and talking about the stuff I was posting on Instagram to try to be a good fashion blogger or whatever, I didn't realize how much a spirit of jealousy will cause people to rise up against you. I've never, ever, ever factored people as being jealous of my life because that sounds a little arrogant. You know what I mean? But later, in retrospect, looking back, other counselors around me were like, you know, people are just operating out of jealousy and that's okay. Like, you don't have to stop what you're doing because they can't handle what you're doing. And it was kind of an eye-opener. When God gives you favor and success, you're, you're probably going to brush up against people that operate in jealousy, and that's okay. That's okay. You can expect it when it happens. I honestly pray God will keep the jealous people away from me because they're really difficult to deal with. It just went to show me that I was operating in the success and the favor of God on my life, and, and that encouraged what I was doing. Um, you need to follow that inner sense of calling. The gifts and callings inside of you will continue to propel you forward even when you hit obstacles. It's like you just can't quit pushing. That's what caused me to continue to push even with my husband because normally I would have retreated. If my husband was not in agreement, I would have just pulled back and said, okay, we'll just... But I had to realize, hey, is this actually my husband speaking in the leadership role that he has over my life or is this him operating out of some wrong beliefs and so that's why it took conversations and I was willing to lay it down I tried to many many times but I just kept showing him how the Lord was on it It took a while to come around but he finally realized yeah this really is God and so now he's supportive now he's totally all about it pay attention to divine doors that open to you when you when the Lord's throwing you a curveball or your life feels like it's in a different track than you expected a your life will get off track if you're in disobedience or sin. So I'm not endorsing any kind of off-trackness. I'm not trying to say God is doing curveballs that actually may be coming from your sin or from disobedience, right? But if, you're, if your heart is set on obeying the Lord and walking with Him, I don't think you need to be concerned about, hey, I'm getting into sin. 
just living a life that you're constantly walking in repentance and agreement with the Spirit of God, then pay attention to what doors are open to you that only God can open. That is literally, I just walk through the doors God opens to me, and that's how this journey has played out. I would encourage you, another lesson I learned is pray about everything. Pray about your connections. Pray about, about the things you need to be learning to be equipped for what God has for you. Pray that you'll have the courage to take the risks that God asks of you. Pray, just pray about everything. Do what God puts in front of you even when you don't feel qualified. There will be things God brings to you that you won't feel qualified for. But guess what? Those are the things where he's going to step in and show up and you'll be able to see that was God that did that. Just like Paul says that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. In those moments when they asked me to be a consultant for the company, immediately I was flooded with all the reasons why I was unqualified. And especially when I went and looked at the other stylists that were on board, all of them actually went to beauty school, went to fashion school, went to these things. They actually had qualifications. I literally didn't, <laughs> but I was the one consulting. And it was because they saw value in what I was bringing because God had been faithful to put tools in my tool belt that I needed for that season. And so I just said, this is a door only God can open. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to trust him to equip me for what I need for this role. And he did. And so do it even when you don't feel qualified because that gives God room to function and operate in your situation. Another thing you can do when, when life keeps a different, takes a different shift, simply keep an eternal perspective. I asked the Lord many times, God, why have you pulled me into fashion? Why? Why fashion? And the Lord just, he would say, Jenna Lee, there are people in fashion. I need you to reach the people. <laughs> He's like, duh, <laughs> there's people, go get the people. <laughs> and so I was like, I was so accustomed though to being in ministry. I grew up in ministry. My whole married life had been in ministry. Everything I've ever done has always been ministry. And the Lord was like, hello, you can do ministry in other settings. And to be honest, it's kind of refreshing, not just being in the four walls of the church. And so keep an eternal perspective, pray about your colleagues, pray about the people God connects you to. And, and always checking in with like, God, what's your heart for what I'm doing? And getting his perspective will fuel what you are doing with purpose. Another lesson I learned is I have a responsibility to steward my talents. I've, I, in my life, I've always felt like the things I'm pursuing are I'm pursuing my calling and like the gifts that are inside of me. But I had never felt the distinction between the gifts that are tied to my calling and gifts that are given to me that I simply need to steward because they're a tool God can use to reach people. I could not live without preaching the gospel. I have to preach the gospel. I have to preach the word of God. That is in me. If I get to the end of my life and I didn't do that, I would have failed at the calling on my life. Now, if I get to the end of my life and I didn't do fashion, I could put fashion down. I could walk away. I don't have to have fashion. Fashion is not the gospel. Fashion is a tool to bring the gospel to people. So God can give me different tools. It doesn't have to be fashion. Does that make sense? But because he's imparted so many talents into me in regard to fashion, I do feel a responsibility to steward those talents he's put in my hands. And so my prayer is always, God, help me to steward this. Help me to use this gift for fashion for your kingdom. Multiply it. I want to use it to make wealth. I want to use it to reach people. And I want to use it to build your kingdom. And so I'm asking the Lord, help me steward the talents that he's put in my life as well. So steward your talents and always be ready to lay it down. For me, this has been pretty important because when my husband, you know, was, was not in agreement at first, 
I, I had to keep it in a place of being willing to lay it down. If I ever started getting to a place where I was drawing significance from my expertise as a stylist, then I realized generally it's getting unhealthy. You, could you walk away from this tomorrow? Would you have an issue walking away from this? And I finally got my heart to a place where, oh, while it might be sad and I might miss it, I could walk away from this. God could ask me to leave fashion. I might be a little bit sad, but I could do it because ultimately I'm going to do what God asked me to do. I'm going to walk in obedience because I want to fulfill the calling on my life, right? So if you've always had a vision of what your life might look like, possibly the vision of your life is tied to your giftings and your callings. However, the beautiful thing is God comes in and fills in the gaps with our tools and with, with different vehicles that will allow us to fulfill that calling. I knew fundamentally I need to preach the gospel. I didn't know God was going to not only use me in the church setting, but pull me into fashion and that that would become a vehicle of ministering to the souls of women. I had no idea. And so those what feels like curveballs may actually not be curveballs or redirections. Maybe you're aware or tuned into or maybe even just suspicious of the calling on your life. I'm a teacher. I need to teach. Or um, I, I'm in helps ministry. I love helping. I want to be a helper. Well, you can help in lots of different environments. You can teach the gospel in lots of environments. You can teach people. You can be medical or like you can serve and minister healing to people in lots of different environments. And so what may feel like a curveball may actually be the Lord filling out the storyline of the calling on your life. And so what I encourage you to do, if you're finding yourself feeling thrown off by curveballs, instead consider, hey, maybe this is just some of the details. Maybe these are the accessories to the outfit of the calling of my life. Maybe these are talents God's just asking me to steward and multiply. Maybe these are just the beautiful way that God infuses his creativity with the fundamental calling of my life. And so trusting the Lord with that is huge. When I kept a tight, mad grip on it must look like this, I must be behind a pulpit, it caused me so much anxiety and angst and confusion because the truth is I could preach the gospel from behind a pulpit. I could preach the gospel on a podcast. I could preach the gospel to someone over a cup of coffee. I can share the gospel with someone in their closet. I can share the gospel with a woman who's a CEO over a company in Israel or a woman who's a CEO of a denim line. I can share the gospel with anybody I come in contact with. And God in his beautiful creativity has created a unique story for my life and a unique story for your life. And so taking your hands off of the picture of what it must look like and just kind of allowing yourself to go along for the ride. God, I wanna go along for the ride that you've created for my life. Help me to steward my talents. Help me to be faithful with today. Help me to obey your spirit. And I'm going to enjoy the adventure of the fact that I don't know what my life is going to look like. But you do. And your plans for me are for good and not for harm. For a hope and a future. And so I'm along for the adventure that you have, which is ordering the steps of my life to fulfill the calling that is on my life. Every one of us has a dream in our heart and life doesn't always pan out like we picture it to but that's not always a bad thing. Many times it's the creativity of God coming alongside of the purposes he's put inside of us. I hope this encouraged you guys. Share it with a friend if you think this would minister to them and bless them and make sure stay tuned for Life Hacks. It's coming up next. 
little secret how to get your smell and taste back after COVID. I love y'all. Always reach out to me on Instagram. I'm watching for you there. All right, you guys, you have been waiting for this. Your smell and your taste were jacked up from COVID. This is your life hack. Are you ready? You need to take zinc. I know it's not rocket science, but a friend of mine shared the other day, I, I had COVID eight months ago. In, as of August, my smell and taste were still messed up. I would eat things and they just didn't taste right. I said it had the COVID taste. <laughs> and it was like things that I enjoyed, like Schritz crackers, for example, had this weird chemically taste. And it was just a lot of my favorite foods were not the same. So I had been praying, God, I need a way to fix this. And I started taking the zinc gummies that I saw at the store, randomly picked them up. I was like, hey, they help with, here's another benefit, the moisturization of your hair. I had no idea. So I started taking them for the moisturization of my hair. I'm like, zinc is good for you. Why not? Well, then like a day later, a friend posts that said a zinc deficiency is also connected to loss of taste and smell. What? And so she said that she recovered her taste and smell after COVID within about a week by taking zinc. So I started paying attention and I realized, wait, I've been taking zinc for a while and I haven't noticed any COVID smells or whatever. Um, and so I decided this is great. I've been paying attention and so far my taste and smell seems to be fully recovered. A third benefit of taking zinc is when you have kids going through puberty, the body burns up the zinc in their body a lot faster during that puberty process and the result is stinky feet, stinky body odor, stinky armpits. Even as adults, if we get into a zinc deficiency, you might notice that you have more of a BO, like smell. <laughs> Guys, we keep it really honest here. You might have more of a BO smell. If that's the case, don't freak out. Just start taking zinc. It balances things out. Y'all listen, my brother, it was a crime against humanity, how his feet smelled when he was growing up. It was literally burned our nostrils. I'm like, I wish I would have known this. So here you go. You're welcome. Zinc will make your life better. Thank you for listening to this episode, you guys. As always, share the crap out of these episodes. It helps so much. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. Come send me those one-liners in my DMs. I want to pull you into my merch line. And if those one-liners, don't forget the episode number on it, um, gets pulled into my merch designs, I will name it after you. So thanks guys so much. I love you and I'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.